This is episode number 04 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome on to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Jesse Mundell. And I'm Anita Lambert. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the real deal with those first six weeks postpartum. So we want to provide information that many people don't hear about. Um, and we have so many postpartum clients that say, why didn't anyone tell me about this? So we want you to know, especially if you're pregnant and listening to this, you're going to know ahead of time, which can be really helpful. And so we want you to have this information so you don't feel alone because we're going to be going into the physical, emotional, and the mental side, um, experience postpartum. And there's so many variations on what we all experience and to know that you're not alone, um, in what you're going through. So why don't we dive in first? We're going to start with the physical side. So Jess, what would you say some are the, what are some of the physical um, experiences and that you had or um, that you know clients have had? Because that's something we want to really um, talk about today too is because we've worked with so many women postpartum, we've had our own experience, but then we have um, this observation of so many other um, experiences as well that we want to be able to pass along to you. Mm-hmm. I love this conversation. What we talk about this in terms of my clients is sharing, not scaring. It's one of the most important guiding forces for me in this work so that postpartum moms don't ever have to feel like no one told me this and they feel shocked and scared and so confused about what is happening to their bodies. I love this idea of sharing, not scaring. So we are prepared to some degree. And that is exactly how I felt postpartum. So before I was pregnant postpartum, I had worked with moms for years before that. So I had heard all their stories and thankfully it was never scary for me. I always just felt like it was the education that I needed in order to go into postpartum and to feel like I somewhat knew what I could expect. Of course, everyone's experience is different, but In my experience postpartum, I never felt like shocked. I never felt like no one told me this. I feel so alone. Whenever things came up, I was like, okay, I've heard of this before. It's going to be okay. I can talk to them. I know that it is a common experience or that someone has experienced this before. So I had somewhere to turn. So my physical experience postpartum was not what I was expecting going in only because I thought I was going to be recovering from a vaginal birth and I was recovering then from a Mm C-section. So the first six weeks for me postpartum, what I remember from that time is being very uncomfortable a lot of the time. So at least for the first two weeks postpartum, I was so annoyed that I was recovering from surgery. I was just annoyed up until the end of pregnancy, 42 weeks pregnant, I felt really quite comfortable in my body. I didn't have much physical discomfort or pain whatsoever. I was able to keep strength training up until that time. So then postpartum to all of a sudden really truly not be able to move that much. Every movement was a struggle. I couldn't lie down on my back or on my sides until at least two weeks postpartum. It was just frustrating for me. I just was in so much discomfort and I was so annoyed by it as someone who really respects my ability to move freely. It was a frustrating time. So it took me until at least five weeks postpartum to be able to feel like I could move pretty normally again. 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of like walking up the stairs and going for walks. So I went for my first postpartum walk at five weeks postpartum after I saw my pelvic health physio. Started strength training very lightly and with basics at four weeks postpartum. So until that point, I just felt kind of stuck in my body and just, um, yeah, just annoyed by it, truly. How about you? That's, that's a good, honest, um, like sharing though of that in terms of with that experience and that it wasn't what you expect, but I love how you said at the start, it wasn't what you expected because you didn't go in expecting to have a cesarean birth, but because you had all this knowledge ahead of time, you had an idea, okay, what this would potentially involve as well. Um, so I found I went into birth kind of expecting, uh, not expecting the worst. That's not the best way to put it, but just like, expecting, okay, I'm going to feel horrible after, like, I'm just going to not want to move or do anything. I had the opposite. I had, I felt really good. Like even right after giving birth, I remember um, I gave birth at home. So I sat up in my bed right away, like expecting to get up. And my midwife was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you need to lie down. So I felt like I had a bit of the opposite of what I expected because I expected not to feel like that. And I know there's hormones and so many things involved. Um, but, uh, and I went out for a walk a few days after giving birth in terms of like out for a a 10 minute walk. Um, so I felt good. And I take that experience to tell clients that, yeah, you may feel what Jess felt, or you may feel how I felt really good. And it's just a matter of like, just not going full out. Like in terms of, I feel like if we have another one, um, that I'm like, maybe not not that it was a negative thing to be getting out and moving that quickly but I'm like I should have just taken advantage of like resting and lying down and not being on my feet so soon um after giving birth so that was kind of part of my physical experience after so I do tell clients like even if you feel great just like rest just rest mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> kind of you were forced to rest right exactly. which I actually think is not necessarily a bad thing yeah, completely. It was, gosh, the universe gives me exactly what I need all the time. And it was exactly what I needed at the time. So I really just dove into that. I rested. I felt no guilt. I felt no shame about it. I really just took that time to learn how to breastfeed and to eat and to be taken care of and to take care of myself. Um, no stress. I know that it's often recommended to get up and move uh, and to go for a walk as soon as you're feeling up to it and able. But I just, I just sat with it. I sat with the discomfort and with the frustration and got back to some stuff at two weeks postpartum, some really gentle core and pelvic floor reconnection and breath type work. But mostly I just allowed myself to take as much time as I needed to feel okay Mm -hmm. and to feel better. Mm -hmm. It causes me a lot of anxiety to think about a potential of another C-section recovery with a three-year-old at home and just what that experience would be like. I know that with one baby, first baby recovering from a C-section, as difficult what it was, I had the luxury to be able to rest when I needed to with a newborn recovering from a c-section and a three-year-old at home that would not be uh, as possible and we would have lots of help come in but it would still just not be as possible so that is something that I am polling all my moms about um, trying to hear from their experiences as much as possible but we'll see if that is the route we decide to go and I'll have more advice for you after that Mm mm-hmm And actually, I think it's a good point if you're comfortable sharing, Jess, is even um, about your scar, like in terms of um, how you felt about your scar, because I know I have clients who I've I've seen a lot of clients who've had a cesarean birth and friends as well. And I find there's such a variation. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. Some get infections, um, some it can be quite sensitive and painful. And the thing is, I have some clients who are very disassociated from that part of their body and that they're not really given um, helpful information on how to heal it. So they don't really learn anything um, to heal it until they actually come into physio. So I was just curious if you're comfortable sharing just about your experience with your scar and just that area in general. 
mm-hmm. those first six weeks anyways. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. There's really no information or guidance given as you leave the hospital. Uh, in my case, even through my midwifery postpartum early days checkup, there wasn't much talked about the scar other than to look at it and see if it was doing okay. In my case, I did get an infection at day eight, nine postpartum. And that, we'll get into the mental health, but that was another thing that was frustrating in terms of mental and emotional health for me. It was definitely physically uncomfortable. Up until that point, it was starting to feel better and better every day. But once the infection set in, that was another difficult physical frustration for me. So I had to have IV antibiotics in for four days. Randy, my husband, changed the IV bags at home every morning for those four days. Luckily, I was able to be at home. We just changed the bags ourselves um, and went back eventually after those four days and things were clearing up really well. But that, I would say, was probably one of the scarier postpartum experiences for me because I didn't know of maybe any people who had had an infection or had heard of their experience. So that was a bit scary to go through that. Um, and again, yeah, it was again, another discomfort in my body feeling during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think there's going to be a lot, um, of expecting moms or new moms who are either planning a cesarean or have gone through a cesarean. So just to know, you know, again, there's different variations. There are moms who come out who don't get an infection and who healing is different and other ones who went through what Jess went through, um, with infection as well. So just know and to ask questions, ask questions. And if you have a partner, have them also ask questions in terms of, um, cause you'll be in the, the hospital for at least a few days after birth. So, you know, asking the nurse, asking the doctors, asking questions, um, just to get whatever information you can get, um, to help with your, your healing those first six weeks, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we wanted to touch on some of the other physical, um, experiences that you may go through. If you're nursing, um, or that was your plan to, you know, to start nursing in terms of like nipple pain, nipple soreness, what's normal, what is not. Um, and I think it'd be great if we can get a lactation consultant on the podcast to do a specific episode on that. Um, but everyone is going to be different. And I know going into birth, so similar to what I said before, in my head, I was kind of planning not the worst case scenario. I still can't figure out how to describe that, but just because so many, I hadn't met many clients or friends or family who had a positive birth or um, positive breastfeeding experience from the start. Everyone talked about the pain, how painful it's going to be soreness. So we actually, my husband and I did a short, it was a two or three hour mini course actually at the Jack Newman clinic in Toronto um, a month before I gave birth. And that was a priceless class because we both got this information and to know the key thing, it was kind of breastfeeding 101, what's normal, what's not. So we both knew, and I knew if I was kind of in a state where maybe I wasn't um, fully remembering what they talked about, Andy would have learned this information. So the fact of like, if breastfeeding is really painful, that's not necessarily something to grin and bear through. It's a sign that your latch, that there's there's something that needs to be changed. And there could be so many reasons why the latch is really painful. So whether there's a tongue tie or a lip tie involved, or just how baby is latching or how you're holding, like there's just so many factors and it's not to blame you or blame the baby. I know going into birth, I was thinking like, we get told this is natural, but so many things have changed over the centuries that it doesn't necessarily feel as natural as it once did. Um, for moms. So to even have in place ahead of time. So whether it's you go to a class, know who the lactation consultants are. If you're giving birth in a hospital, oftentimes you'll get to see one before you're discharged. But again, ask this question. If you're planning um, home birth or a birth center birth, um, know who the private lactation consultants are um, so that you can call on them if needed. Um, We'll get more into this a bit later. We had a positive experience from the start. Um, Something did come up around six weeks, Um, but it was one of those things where going into it, um, I was really thankful for whatever information I could get and not just the like, this is natural, it's gonna happen for you or the opposite of like, this is gonna be the worst thing that ever, you know, it's gonna be so painful. We got really accurate information which made the experience more positive. 
How do you mm -hmm. feel, Jess, with your um, breastfeeding experience? We had a lucky experience as well. It was the thing I was most nervous for going into postpartum was breastfeeding. I was so grateful for our midwives during that time. In our case, they came for four home visits during the first five, six days postpartum, and that was a game changer. It is the reason why I wanted to work with midwives in this pregnancy is for the postpartum and breastfeeding support afterwards. They, I don't know if we would have made it through. It's just, it was so difficult in those early days. It was painful. There were bleeding nipples, cracked, latch was bad on one side. So their help and support. And I knew, okay, we just make it through this night and they're going to be back the next morning and then I'll be able to ask them questions. So having someone on hand, I think is so key. Having a number that you can call whenever things get super tough or they're difficult. So working again with a lactation consultant, uh, international board certified can be an absolute game changer. If you have the ability to access someone, it can help your experience drastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was something we want to make sure we kind of, we touched on as well. Um, and the other side, I mean, Jess and I focus a lot on pelvic health. Um, and so these, I get a lot of these questions. What's normal after, is it normal to leak urine? So to have incontinence right after six weeks after, when is it not normal anymore? Um, or any of those things, right? So um, I do have clients that experience nothing in terms of leaking urine after um, with that or leaking, remember leaking gas, leaking um, in terms of stool, uh, prolapse, so in terms of heaviness, all of these things, pelvic pain, low back pain. So depending, again, it kind of, it depends on how your birth went. Um, if you've had a lot of stitches, if you were pushing for a long time, um, but even regardless with a vaginal birth, like your pelvic floor has been through a lot. It's done a lot of work um, for you and for baby. Um, so it will be weak afterwards. And so there may be some in terms of incontinence. Those first few days, I know I have a lot of clients say it's the urgency of like, there wasn't much time between when they got the urge to go pee and like getting to the bathroom. It was like, it just happened right away. Um, but to know if that's still, you know, happening over those first six weeks and especially beyond, it's just telling us those muscles need some help. Um, and if you've had episiotomy, if you've had um, any tearing, so you've had stitches, there may be tension or tightness in that area that needs to be addressed before your muscles will work their best. So that may be needed um, to help you not be leaking. Um, but as well, like heaviness uh, in terms of like in the pelvis, pelvic floor, if that's still existing up till that six weeks and beyond, it's definitely something to get checked. It could be a sign of prolapse or a sign of tension. Um, but again, pelvic pain. So whether it's pubic bone pain, SI pain, hip pain, back pain, like that shouldn't be going on again, even up to that six weeks and beyond. It's a sign that yes, the body needs some time to heal, but there, it may be helpful to get some extra guidance um, and treatment for that. How, do, how What would you say with that, Jess, in terms of the six weeks? Mm -hmm. I think what is key for me in this topic is also discussing the effects of C-section on pelvic health. I know that we often think that if we had a C-section, our pelvic floor should be fine. We didn't push a baby out of our vagina. So what, why are we experiencing these things that might be coming up? So just knowing that pregnancy can be traumatic on the pelvic floor and the core just from the pregnancy itself. Also keep in mind, if you labored for a long time before that C-section, or if you even got to pushing phase before that C-section, which I know could be so common for some people, even the C-section itself, if it was a scheduled C-section, perhaps this time, absolutely that can affect our core and pelvic health. It is a major procedure. I know that it is often not regarded as such because we had this procedure and in my case, I'm sent home 36 hours later. It is a big deal for your body to go through this and pelvic health can be affected from this surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you mentioned too, that there are a lot of um, moms like yourself who went through labor, right? And especially like I've had clients come in and one I'm picturing right now from this week who she went through the whole of birth. They got to the point of actually trying vacuum three times 
that wasn't, um, it didn't help. So then they went to a cesarean birth. So a lot happened with her pelvic floor. Then on top of that, having the cesarean um, birth on top of it. So it can be common to have pelvic floor issues, but again, and are kind of what we're always talking about, it can be common, but don't consider it or put up with people telling you that it's normal um, or it has to be your normal, right? That it's just telling us those muscles just need some TLC. And especially after birth, regardless of how you gave birth, like they deserve, you know, that TLC afterwards. Your pelvic floor put that whole core canister. Um, really, really important. Let's talk about losing weight postpartum and quotations here, baby weight. This is often something that moms can be focused on, preoccupied by, overwhelmed by. There's pressure from ourselves. There's pressure from society. Where does this come from? Why do we do this to ourselves after we have done this miraculous feat of growing and birthing a human? There's so much we need to discuss on this topic, but first I want to get quickly your experience on this. Was this something that took up your mental energy postpartum? So I would say those first six weeks, definitely not. It was not it wasn't on my mind. Um, but again, I think it's because we all have different experiences. I mean, maybe it would have been different if, um, if my body had, hadn't changed as significant. I had a significant change, um, after Pippa came out like those first six weeks, um, with that. And there can be a lot of different factors again with why that happened. I didn't purposely try to lose weight. I was not depriving myself of any, um, any nutrients or like food, anything like that. Like I was like with nursing, I was like, I need to get as much hydration and nutrients that I can get in. And I was not pushing myself in terms of with exercise. Like I was doing the gentle rehab, um, that both of us have done. Um, so, and my body just kind of changed the way it, it was changing. But yeah, those first six weeks, it was not on my mind, but I also think it can be from, uh, what we were aware of beforehand, I think it was really helpful that I had seen hundreds of clients by that point. I've seen every range of what a postpartum body looks like. And I think that really helped me in terms of, you know, there are so many like different variations. And I think we need to celebrate that because I do sometimes have clients come in, not necessarily the ones I saw during pregnancy, but the kind of ones who've never come in for physio before and come in postpartum. And there can be a big focus on losing weight. Um, why does my belly still look like this? Like the baby is not in there anymore. And it's just having that knowledge of all the different things that have happened and your body has changed over nine months. Um, there's hormones involved as well. Um, and I think a big part for me, I know we're both on Instagram and I think Instagram with the images, there's a lot of positive sides to it, but there are negative sides because I see it all the time. Um, go through my feed in terms of these before and after and like four weeks and six weeks. And it's hard because I think it's, um, I think everyone should be able to share their experience and everyone's going to have a different experience. Um, but I think sometimes it can make a lot of um, postpartum moms feel bad about what their body is doing, even though what their body is doing is totally normal. Um, that to not necessarily lose all the baby weight at that point and your stomach is not going to go back. All these things at six weeks is just not to be expected and not necessarily kind of the normal range um, of things. So I've long answer, but in terms of in short, I don't feel like it affected me at six weeks, but I think there was a lot of knowledge going into that. I didn't have that expectation. Mm -hmm. I love what you said that you had seen so many variations of postpartum bodies. So the spectrum of normal to you was literally anything and everything that is so important. And I think that like you're mentioning about social media, we need to be following different accounts that show ranges of bodies with different levels of fatness and thinness and everything in between. It is vital for us to see that bodies can look like many different things, not just this boxed in of beauty standards that we are fed through the media, through social media. Something that I like to tell my clients all the time, something that I told myself all the time because this self-talk is still key for me, allow yourself to be postpartum. 
allow your body to be postpartum and just trust mm-hmm. that it knows what it's doing. Again, mm. for myself in those early six weeks postpartum and beyond, the focus was on fuel. The focus was on fueling myself in order mm-hmm. to take care of myself and to take care of baby. The most important yep. role that I had was feeding her. And I came second in a lot of uh, the cases during that first six weeks postpartum. And I have over the last two and a half years, quite honestly. But again, my care and my health mattered during that first six weeks. And my care and my health did not depend on what my body composition looked like. And it still Mm -hmm. does not. I don't take value from that. And it is absolutely okay if you do. Just notice how your mental and emotional health is responding and being affected by that if you are interested and concerned with how much fat you do or do not have on your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's hard because if, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Jess, it's like I feel like pregnancy and postpartum, um, and not that people mean a negative uh connotation by it but do you notice the first thing everyone says is how you look right you look beautiful you look glowing you look you look small you look like there's always it's you look versus like how are you doing like versus you know and asking you it's great to ask how the baby's doing that's wonderful but discussions I have so much in my office is especially new moms notice as soon as baby comes out um I feel like anything towards the mom ends up being about this physical side, but then everything, all the other attentions on baby. So no one's really asking like, mom, how are you doing um, with that? And that, yeah, there's just so many layers to that, but I don't know. Have you noticed that? Cause I've noticed that. I noticed people saying that to me um, during pregnancy and postpartum, it's always about how you look and not necessarily how are you doing? This is a conversation we have with my two pregnancy and beyond clients at least twice a week. Someone is posting about this. What do I say to people that are constantly commenting on my body during pregnancy or postpartum? For me, I got comments postpartum about, oh, your belly has really gone down. Oh, you look small. You don't look like you had a baby. For me, I always took it back to, I'm feeling okay. Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you. I never addressed it. For me, it's important to change the conversation. You can address those physical composition changes or how you're looking. Uh, For me, it's important to not address it. And I want people to notice when I don't address it. So I just took it back to how I was feeling. It's like we want to erase that we look like we had a baby. People are giving that to us as a compliment, which is so telling and so interesting in our society looking like you had a baby is not the compliment looking like you didn't have a baby is the compliment that is so messed up yeah yeah i totally agree it's this and we talked about one of the previous episodes of like there's so much pressure for women to have a baby to be pregnant and have a baby which is a whole other messed up thing sometimes in itself because i mean you don't know if, if someone's trying in terms of there's fertility issues or if someone's chosen that they don't want to have children. Like there's so many sides to that. And then you, if for those who do get pregnant, have a baby. And then it's like, how quickly can you erase the fact of any visible appearance that you've had a baby? Like, I agree. It's a very messed up way to look at it um, from society. And it's just something that we need to have that conversation about and a lot about this body positivity and just yeah, we just got to change that uh, voice and discussion about this postpartum experience because it can play a big role in what we're going to talk about, like the mental and the emotional side of recovery um, afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last point on this physical side of things during the first six week, the the holy grail, the six-week checkup postpartum where you check in with your midwife or your OB, your healthcare provider, and we're wanting to hear you're cleared, you're good, you're healed, you can go back to exercise. This is so limiting in so many cases. I'm trying to think back on my six-week postpartum checkup right now. Midwife came to the house. We talked about uh, some of the mental health aspects that I was going through at that time, which we'll get to eventually. We didn't Mm -hmm. 
talk about the physical stuff too much other than I was feeling okay at that point. Uh, she knew what I do professionally. So I think she just trusted me on that side of things. She knew I was going to pelvic floor physio, but there wasn't much talk beyond that. And really, because that's not where they specialize. So we talked about my mental health a little bit, my physical health, a tiny bit, baby's health, and that's it. We move on. You're with midwives as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Was your experience the same? Yeah. Yeah. And I think they knew, they knew I was a pelvic physio. Um, so I was with, with midwives. Um, and, uh, I remember, yeah, the six week appointment was in the clinic. Um, I would say the main focus was Pippa. Um, but I did tell them I had seen my pelvic physio the day before and they were thought that was great. Um, but they were surprised too. They're like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, everyone should be given this option to at least know we exist and I totally know every country is going to be different. And, um, and in specifically in Ontario, like it's not, not, there's some physios that are covered under OHIP, um, but those are few and far between. So I totally understand there's uh, so many factors in, in seeing a pelvic physio. Um, but just to know we exist, because I think that's the biggest part that clients see me months or years later and they're like, I didn't even know this was an option. Like if they had at least told me, um, cause yeah, I didn't have an internal, um, I wasn't due for a pap. Um, I went to my GP later for that. Um, but I think even if they did want to do an internal, I kind of felt like that's okay. Like I was okay with it cause I was seeing my colleague, a pelvic floor physio. Um, and I knew she'd be checking my muscles and all of that as well. Um, so I think it's important to know too, and this is like any care provider, right? Like uh, GPs, OBs, midwives, they, if they do an internal, what I've noticed lately, the trend is it's generally, if you're due for a pap, sometimes if you've had stitches, so an episiotomy or a tear, they may be checking to see if those have healed. Sometimes at six weeks, if they haven't fully healed, um, sometimes they'll, they'll take some of them out, um, if they're still kind of lingering around. Um, but, and, and sometimes public floor physio is, is, um, is told, you know, check in on this. Um, I work with some amazing GPs and OBs and midwives who refer, like they ask the questions. And if any postpartum mom, especially at that six week appointment is saying, you know, I'm still leaking, I'm having this going, you know, I think I have a diastasis and the care providers sometimes will check and sometimes they won't. They'll just say, you know what, go to public floor physio. This is what they do. Um, I would recommend going to them and then you'll be able to continue your progress. So I love when clients come in with those referrals and I kind of do like a big high five because I'm just like, it's this information is getting out there and there are so many amazing care providers who provide this information, but it's still not across the board yet. We still have a ways to go. Um, how do you find that um, out uh, where you are, Jess? It is not common for me to hear that someone has been referred to pelvic health physio at six weeks. And I would say even less common with my US-based clients. Mm -hmm. There, It's not talked about. It's not a thing. They go in for that six weeks checkup. It's 10, 15 minutes. Typically no internal. Maybe C-section scars looked at, but often not. Very quick, in and out, you're okay, get back to exercise, yeah. do your Kegels if you're still leaking, and that yeah. is about it. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're starting to hear that, that people are yeah. being referred to you. That's incredible, and hopefully someday that can be the standard of care because it is an essential next step for everyone, even if you are feeling good and okay at six weeks postpartum. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part too is, is yeah, having those care, care providers refer has been amazing to see that trend increase. The other side, a lot of postpartum moms I see who I didn't see during pregnancy, it's from friends, like girlfriends who've given birth before and they're just like, you know what, I saw a pelvic physio after myself or um, I've just heard it's amazing, you should go do it. Um, and I'm seeing that trend increase, which is pretty amazing because I think that's the biggest part. The more we talk to each other, um, as postpartum, as, as new moms, as seasoned moms, that's where the information gets out there because it won't always come from your care provider. Um, but talking and hearing experiences from other, and I find women are more, um, more open about talking about this now, like even within the community. So I'm in Peterborough, um, Canada, and to see the change from when, 
you know, a year ago till now is just incredible. And it's been from all these amazing women who've just had a positive experience and have shared that with others. So um, if you're listening to this, you know, it's one of those things where if you have this information, please share it. Um, because public physios exist all around the world. Um, and again, every country and every state or province is going to be different in how to access one. Um, but it can make such a drastic experience, a drastic experience in your postpartum recovery. Um, and how we talked about the physical, physical, mental, and emotional, uh, health, um, that if you can get to see someone early postpartum, it can make a big difference with going forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got goosebumps when you're talking about that community and yeah, moms talking to each other about it. It's so mm-hmm. important. So mm-hmm. let's move on to the mental health aspects of the six weeks postpartum. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is huge topic of conversation with my clients, probably more so than we're even talking about the physical stuff because mm-hmm. this transition into motherhood, first time, second time, sixth time, whatever it is, can mm-hmm. often hit you like a truck. It can feel mm-hmm. very overwhelming all-consuming, so postpartum mental health experiences such as the baby blues or postpartum depression, anxiety, PTSD, postpartum rage. These are all things that we can experience. Mm -hmm. What was your postpartum experience like in those early days and weeks? Yeah, I felt it was, we were talking about before we started recording, I feel like the first six weeks a bit of a blur in a way, but it ended up being a positive blur. Like, I feel like I was just, you know, I was not getting much sleep. So I was just riding the high of just like getting through every day. Um, We did not have family close by family. My in-laws were two hours, one direction. My family's chose the other direction Um, with having midwives. So not everyone knows, but at least here in Canada it's generally the first few postpartum visits that first week or two, they come to your house. I think that was really helpful because I was in, you know, our environment, they could check how things were. If there's things around the house, I had questions about, it was a really comforting setting. So I think that was helpful. Um, my husband was off work for the first two weeks and I totally understand that's a privilege. Um, that it was really helpful that he could take those two weeks um, so that we could get set up as a family of three. Um, and the other side, I think that was positive, that helped with the positive um, experience was we made a decision before we even gave birth. We were not going to have visitors for at least the first five days. Um, and I know that can be a heated topic in terms of, well, what, a, what about what other people want in that? And I think with the knowledge uh, that both of us, my husband and I got during pregnancy was this is a time that the three of us get to bond, that um, we get to learn about Pippa's cues and what she needs. And the midwives came, they they did come. So it's not like we didn't see anyone. Midwives came, I think three times that first week. Um, my naturopath, who was also my doula, came to check in two days after. Um, all of that was helpful. We did end up Skyping, obviously, with my parents and my in-laws. So we did share after Um that Pippa had arrived. But I think having those first few days where there wasn't all this feeling like I have to host people, um, this, you know, pressure to just to not just like indulge and enjoy, but also just get used to this little being and not getting sleep. I joke with my husband, like me and sleep had a really great relationship uh, until Pippa arrived. Um, So that was an adjustment for me of like being up all the time, nursing and, you know, I didn't, I just didn't want that pressure um, for any of us. So I think that was, um, was helpful. So um, yeah, I feel like that the mental side, the first part, I also didn't necessarily experience. I know my midwives told me about it. My doula told me about it is generally, I want to say it's between day three and day five is often a lot of postpartum moms will feel this emotional, um, kind of experience happening um, in terms of its hormones. So a lot of your hormones are trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to balance out. If you're nursing, that your hormones are going through one thing. Um, if you're not nursing, they're going through something else. Um, and then there's the stress um, on top of all of that. So I didn't necessarily experience that. I was, again, going in and expecting it, but it didn't necessarily happen at that point. Um, 
so yeah, so that was kind of the first little bit in terms of uh, my experience with it. But that's why I use that to then educate moms of saying, you may not go through all those things that people tell you about, but I think it's super helpful to know ahead of time because you may go through them. Um, another part I want to make sure to talk about with uh, postpartum depression is in the prenatal class we took, um, and I made sure my husband was aware, um, like signs of postpartum depression or things that are beyond the baby blues. Um, and we are going to have an episode specifically talking more about that, but so that he would know of signs um, in case I was showing them, I may not have been aware um, of them, but that he could call me out on them and be like, you know what, maybe we do need to talk to someone and that it didn't happen. But I think it was important if you have a partner that they're aware about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, because they may see signs in you that you won't be able to identify. Um, so I, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's really important that you're, you know about that and anyone who's around you knows signs of that, because if you can get on top of that sooner, again, it can, it can help that recovery. Mm-hmm. I think that that is so key for everyone to know and to do some education for yourself during pregnancy on postpartum depression and anxiety and these other factors, mental health factors that might come up. So, you know, yourself. And so you know that if you are experiencing these things, who is the person that you can then seek some help from? Mm -hmm. My postpartum experience during that first six weeks was very different than that. I generally felt good. I felt pretty settled. I felt pretty comfortable in terms of caring for baby. But what hit me so hard in the early days postpartum was these flashbacks that I was having whenever I would try to rest, close my eyes, try to go to sleep. It was just these constant flashbacks to these specific moments during labor and going to the OR. And it was very overwhelming and very scary for me. So I was actually experiencing some post-traumatic stress disorder for at least the first month postpartum. It got gradually lessened, but those first few weeks, it was constant and I cried a ton, a ton. It was just very, uh, very disconcerting, very overwhelming. It was just these moments during labor that I didn't truly recognize as fearful or scary at the time, but afterwards they became very scary for me and just a lot of what if questions about Steele's health. Um, and I was just feeling some guilt over the way that parts of labor had gone and why I wanted to stay home so desperately. And what if we had have stayed home longer? What would have happened to her? I felt guilty over Randy's fear during these parts of labor before we were moving to the OR. There's just a lot of things that were very uncomfortable. So luckily, Randy made me talk about it more times than I wanted to talk about it. And that was really helpful for me because I have this tendency to, when I'm going through hard things like that, to shut in and to not want to share them. So it needs to be pulled from me. Next time around postpartum, I would absolutely work with a counselor sooner who specialized in pre and postnatal counseling. There is a peer and a colleague now who I know of who does this birth narrative, this birth story works, deals with birth trauma. So if that is a possibility for you in your area or you can find someone by a distance, that can be a really helpful thing. So for mm -hmm. me, it wasn't postpartum depression. It wasn't anxiety. It was these specific flashbacks to these traumatic events mm -hmm. that were occurring. Mm -hmm. I would say that I didn't really feel like I enjoyed steel until at least four weeks postpartum. I didn't feel like I enjoyed the experience because I just felt like I was in this pattern of nursing and handing off the baby one million times a day. And it was so much. It was so much. I felt like it was just relentless. The days and the nights just blended together. I dreaded the nights on so many days because I knew I would be up so many times during the first few weeks when breastfeeding was difficult. It just felt like, oh my gosh, she cannot be up again. I cannot do this again. Mm -hmm. Also, in our experience postpartum, I was at the hospital for 36 hours after C-section. We came home. My mom was there, thankfully. Um, everyone lives further in Anita's neck of the woods in Ontario, Canada. We're across the country from them. But then the next day, 
my grandma, my sister, my dad all flew in to spend time with us at our house. So they stayed with us for a week. So there was many people in our house during those very early days postpartum and they were extremely helpful in terms of cooking, cleaning, taking care of us. We would not have survived without them truly. We just needed that care in that time. Um, again, it was just a shock to be recovering from a C-section and to not be able to move and do basically anything. And then we had Randy's aunt and his mom come after they left. So about the first three weeks postpartum, there were constant people in our house. And that just simply was too much for me. I'm an introverted person and the energy of that was too much for me. So it would be a different situation next time around. Although their help was so key for us and we appreciate it so much, I just take on people's energy really easily. Even just a lot of talking constantly can really drain me. So it was just too much in that situation when I was not sleeping and when I was having these PSD uh, flashbacks that were occurring and just trying to figure out this new life and this new baby. Next time I would set some harder boundaries about the amount of time that people were in our home. Yeah, and I think that's, I think so much what you said Jess, you know, even Randy recognizing about the PTSD kind of making you talk about it. So it's kind of like he knew ahead of time. Uh, it sounds like he knew ahead of time what to kind of watch out for um, and bring that up. And I think such a key part, and we'll talk about more in the emotional um, part of the podcast is support and how much you need. I know for those first six weeks, so there was a lot of the positive sides to it. I would say um, if we have another one, I think the support aspect is something we would need to discuss before because I know I found it really challenging without having family helping and um, a lot, not that they necessarily didn't help, but they lived farther away. So it wasn't easy for them to come. Um, and in terms of my friends, like any friends who were in Toronto, like they were all working or they were new new moms themselves. So it's not that accessibility wasn't there in terms of having that support. And I know both you and I, in terms of with sleep, um, that I would say would be my big challenge those first six weeks and beyond. We'll talk a bit more about that in another episode too, but the first two weeks, Pippa would only sleep on us. She would not sleep uh, anywhere other than on us. Um, and I know that was a stress because when Andy was going back at two weeks, even before he was going back, he was really concerned. He's like, how am I supposed to work? And we were taking turns having her sleep on us and be like, how am I going to go to work and not having slept? And he had to commute for work. Um, and definitely sleep was kind of one of our issues um, over the months. Um, and that's why I, my opinions about sleep and training and not training, like everything has totally flipped um, since having her because it's, you can expect certain things, but they play a huge role uh, when it happens. So I, definitely ran on a lot of adrenaline um, to get through the day for many months um, with that. So I'd say, yeah, the first six weeks, a big part was like sleep. And why I bring that up is because this idea postpartum, I think the best question, and I try, I keep trying to get in this um, routine asking clients, like, how are you doing? How's postpartum going? Because everything usually comes down to, and I remember I heard this afterwards, there's a lot of, how is baby sleeping? Uh, how are you nursing? Oh, you're nursing that much? Like, have you given them a bottle? And all like, there's just so much around baby. And then there's so much judgment and so much stress um, put on you of if you're nursing, not nursing. Uh, Pippa did not take a bottle. Um, we tried. And I think this was similar with you, Jess A. With Steel. Yeah. Everyone right. talks about this. Yeah. This first six, four to six weeks is this sweet spot. Um, I was pumping and I'm like, okay, so we'll be able to give her a bottle so I could leave the house for more than an hour. Um, she hated it, did not want uh, the bottle at all. So that was definitely also uh, an experience I wasn't expecting either because I didn't know anyone who their baby had never taken a bottle. Um, and so she, in terms of breastfeeding, well, I, and I feel, and I'll be honest, I feel a bit of a guilt when I talk about it because I know there's so many moms who want to breastfeed and try to breastfeed and there's many factors that contributed that they weren't able to. Um, so to talk about saying like, I could breastfeed and like, but exclusively and not being able to have that time to myself, that I'd say was a big challenge for me, not just those six weeks, but 
like I was expecting beyond six weeks to have a bit of that and I didn't get that so I know we'll talk a bit more about that in other episodes but um what we want to hone in on today is there's just so many variations on everyone's experience and that you should be able to talk about the positive and negatives and not feel bad um about it um because I know for me with nursing anything that was not negative but was a stress with it I know I haven't talked about as much just because I feel bad I could breastfeed and that I'm not complaining about it but there's sides to it that I'm like I wish that could have been a bit different yes yeah and I think when people ask you how you're doing postpartum it's okay to give an honest answer Mm -hmm. it is okay to say not good this is horrible this is shit I'm not enjoying this at all and yeah. that is what I love about my two pregnancy and beyond clients. It is just all honesty all the time. There's no judgment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Anything goes and it is so helpful for them. And it's so helpful for me to have that space. So if there's anyone that you trust with that conversation, have it with them. Mm-hmm. If you need to push yourself to be vulnerable and have those conversations, then I encourage you to do so. And I will more so next time around postpartum. A lot of those first six weeks, I kind of kept it to myself and to Randy. But next time, it's just going to be whoever will listen. I will tell you about how it's going and will be completely real. Mm -hmm. So the emotional health aspects of postpartum, especially those first six weeks, but also and beyond, can also be... A challenging time for people it can be a really beautiful time for people as well but again knowing that it can also be something that is difficult for me I mentioned this when we we're talking about the mental health I cried a lot and it was something that I didn't feel was scary or I didn't feel like it was an issue or a problem it's just there can be so many hormonal fluctuations that are going postpartum. There are all these mental and physical fluctuations that are happening too. And it can just be a really nice release to cry through it. Is That is how you experience it. If you are finding yourself with these big emotions postpartum, mm-hmm. I think what's so important is to allow yourself to experience it and to feel it and to not try to stifle it and hold it back constantly. So if you're feeling these big things postpartum, just dive into them and sit with the discomfort of it and don't feel like you need to feel anything differently right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good too to find those who you feel comfortable with and supported by that you can talk to them about it. And that, and that's why I encourage like those first six weeks. And I know it it's different depending on what care provider you have, that how often you'll actually see them um, and how much time they have necessarily to talk to you and ask questions. Because I find the six weeks postpartum, a lot of it is like, how are you doing? Um, there's some mental health questions, as you mentioned, Jess, but a lot of it, especially at that six week mark, usually it's a blanket. How are you doing? Most moms will say fine. And then it moves on to baby and then you're discharged. So, and, and I totally understand too, in those first six weeks, you may not be at a place to open up, or you may not even know some of these things exist. So I was talking with a mom about this this week and she felt there was a lot of, she felt a lot of guilt, um, around how her birth went. Um, and I asked her if she was able to debrief with her care provider and that, and she's like, I kind of felt like it, but I didn't want to burden them. They, they kind of asked, but. I wasn't ready to tell them. And I'm like, that's okay. Like you may not be ready in those first six weeks, but I did tell her like, even though you're discharged, you can go back, right? You can go back and have an appointment with them. Um, Because everything, I think something not a lot of people know is your entire birth is charted. So whether you have a home birth, so in my instance, um, I have my midwife notes and I have everything. You, you probably don't realize how many notes they take midwives. They, they are like, Every single thing from when they come to when baby's born to postpartum, everything is documented. Same thing in the hospital. If you're in the hospital, be a nurse doing a lot of the documentation. The doctor will also document. And if you have a midwife in the hospital, they will as well. Everything is documented, should be documented. So to know you can go back, I think that's often missed. No one has an idea that you can go back. And if that's going to help you process your birth and help with your postpartum recovery, that can be a great option. 
Ooh, um, I love that but, you brought this up. This was something that I was just talking about with my current midwives is because I didn't get that experience after Steel was born to see those charts and to really experience it from someone else's lens. But this time with my midwife, she was like, I'll pull that chart for you. We'll talk through it. Maybe that will help you decide how you want to attempt to give birth to this next baby. Um, mm -hmm. So I am so excited to go back through that because, again, I think just seeing it through a different lens other than my own personal in my body experience mm -hmm. will will change things. And it might have changed mm -hmm. things for me within those first six weeks postpartum with steel, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just a big component. Um the processing part of birth is just a big missing piece. Um, I think uh, in that postpartum recovery, that can definitely affect the emotional, your emotional recovery um, in the process. Um, and I know something you talk about a lot, Jess, too, is like this self-care component, because that's emotional, too. Like, I think a big um, part is you you give birth and you kind of feel like either you lose your entire self you lose part of yourself you lose parts of yourself um and finding ways to fit in like self-care and i joke with clients that i'm like i'm not telling you to go to a spa for the weekend because if you can amazing go for it realistically not a lot of moms can do that especially early postpartum so i'm like i'm like little things right for me um which some people may find funny but like, I love what I do, and I knew um, later in my pregnancy um, that we were going to be moving. I was going to open my own practice, and I was super pumped about it. So even kind of when I was off on mat leave before Pippa arrived, I was working on um, connecting with care providers and that in the area. I was, I'm not a technical person, but I, like, did my own website. So, like, literally postpartum, um, that was a way for for me to still feel like myself was I was working on this kind of project or my practice that I was super excited about. And that was me. Like uh, that was in me before Pippa came. So I think it's finding those little things. And for me, like I love going to get a cup of coffee. So some moms I know have the same thing. And I'm like, it seems so little. Um, and I understand too, going out to get a coffee is not an option for everyone. I totally understand that. I'm only bringing this up to see like, it doesn't have to be this big getaway. It's these little things or like listening to music or certain podcasts that I listened to before I gave birth. Those were little things I could bring into my day or my week that I'm like, okay, I'm still here. Like I'm still myself, even though life has completely changed. So what would you say, Justin, what were some things that you tried to keep in to keep yourself in yourself? If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So for me, yeah, this idea of self care is really about nourishment and how we can nourish ourselves. Like you said, even in these tiny ways. And for me, steel did not take a bottle either, which was, very painful as we got further out postpartum it was impossible really to leave the house to go out and do things so a lot of it was with her or at our home or something that was super quick for me it was food how could i nourish myself with food how could i nourish myself with movement and exactly what you said with working it is such, I get so much pleasure and so much joy from it. I did not take a mat leave, which might sound crazy to people, but I work from home and I would work while Steel was sleeping, which I still do now. But that gave me so much life, connecting with my clients, connecting with other health professionals. It really made me feel like me. A key point in this, I think, is that we're not trying to find who we once were. We're trying to find this new version of ourselves or who we are now and it was so stressful for me at times to be like who even am I who is this person who now just revolves around not wearing a shirt all day and nursing this baby one million times it was so frustrating at times I just felt stuck and annoyed and frustrated by like what was my purpose yeah so that took a lot of time it's still something that I think about is who is this new version it's always evolving into this new version of me. So I think if we can just not get too stuck on that, um, mm -hmm. doing things that make you feel like a little bit alive, that find that spark, that's awesome. But don't feel like you need to be this person that you once were before yep. you became a mother. 
Yeah. And I, and I think this actually ties back to the physical side. Um, it sounds like both of us didn't necessarily have this experience, but I know a lot of moms do that when physically you don't look like yourself or kind of what you looked like before that can then emotionally affect you, right? That you're like, I don't look like myself. I don't mentally feel like myself. I am emotionally not myself. Like I am not here. I'm gone. And so to have those emotional components that even though, yes, your body, things will be changing, they'll continue to change. But if you can have those emotional um, aspects and bring those in as much as you can, um, can, ha- can help with that side um, of your healing when other aspects don't feel like yourself um, with it. And I think that we are, we'll touch a bit um, today on this, but like the emotional side too is like your relationships, right? is you're going through one thing. If you have a partner, they're going through another transformation. And I know for us, like it, it was an adjustment. Like it was great to have Andy home those first two weeks. He was super, super helpful and supportive. And then as kind of life, quote unquote, got back to where it was in a way, I mean, I was off for a period of time, but technically still working from home, doing the nap time and the evening hustle as well. and we're still doing it. We're still adjusting to find where we are and it's just constantly changing. And if we bring in baby number two um, in the future, that, there's always going to be this adjustment, right? With your relationship, things are not, things are different now than what they were pre-baby, which makes sense because you have another little person in your family now, which affects you both um, in so many different ways. So I don't know. How did you find that uh, postpartum Jess? Mm-hmm. We're going to need to do a whole episode yeah. on this yeah. for sure. <laughs> I felt a ton of resentment at many points that my life had changed so drastically and Randy's life seemingly from my perspective was just the same. He was able to drive to work by himself and listen to music and drive home by himself and he was able to go to work and have these adult conversations and be around people Mm -hmm. and not have to think about when was the last time I changed her diaper and when did she last nurse and what side was it on? I just yep. felt so much resentment for for a long time and through lots of different periods and it still comes up and down for me now mm-hmm. too. Just mm-hmm. that my life had changed so drastically, the transition to being a mother versus being a father was so frustrating for me. Yeah. We'll get a counselor on yeah. to talk about this. <laughs> I think that's a, yeah, I think definitely we need an episode um, on that. And I think a big part, even though we're talking just a, a little bit about it today, we just want you to know like, Again, this is common. And I think that was the biggest part going into it that also differed for us. Um, I can't think of the book right now, but uh, I had heard about it on a podcast and I read it. And it was more about transitioning, not necessarily parent uh, parenting, but about parenthood and how your relationship will change and everything. So I kind of felt like I'm like, okay, there's going to be a big shift. There's going to be a big change. And I was trying to explain that to him. I really wanted him to read the book. Um, but I think think from what it sounds like to talking to others for partners it doesn't necessarily become real until after then they get it that the beforehand it's really hard unless you already have kids if you're going into baby number one I think it's hard for them to necessarily see the amount of change that will happen and I totally get what you're saying too because how I was saying like Pippa wouldn't take a bottle I know I have a lot of friends and clients who they could so that was a way that like partner and baby can bond in a different way and you can have go outside the house. And like, I couldn't like my life revolved around, like I couldn't go out for very long, depending how long between nursing sessions, that kind of thing. Like there was always this got to get back and timing how you said. So, uh, yeah, we need a whole episode (laughs) (laughs) on that one. Yeah. Still processing, still processing. Yeah. 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 I think we'll do a whole episode on this too, just the whole hormonal changes that occur during pregnancy and how this can affect our emotions and how we can just feel so many different things. One Mm -hmm. thing to touch on quickly that we'll post this in the show notes, a blog on postpartum rage was something that was probably the most surprising thing for me postpartum was really accessing my anger, which I had never done before. I was always, you know, conditioned to be calm and to be okay. And to yeah. stifle those emotions, but really to feel anger and rage postpartum, I was like, what is this? And at yeah. first I was feeling like shameful and guilty about it. Now I'm much more comfortable with being angry and getting angry. 
but mm-hmm. this was probably the most surprising emotional experience for me postpartum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this will be really great to talk about because again, there's so much, so many new emotions, hormones, just yeah, so much in terms of so. Um, in terms of which, say we're so glad that you're able to catch this episode, um, and we just touched on the physical, the emotional. Um, the mental experience and recovery um, that both Jess and I went through, but also a lot of clients experience and just this information that not a lot of people end up hearing before giving birth or even postpartum um, and sometimes not till months and years postpartum. So thank you so much for joining us. And Jess, do you want to share what's on our next episode? Yeah, I'm so excited for the next episode. We're going to be talking about exercise during pregnancy useful guidelines, coaching recommendations, and a key aspect of this, how the ego can show up and how to manage that in your prenatal exercise programming and the intensity and volume in what you're using. So we're so excited to have you on for that. We will see you next time. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 